This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hill. We got the whole crew this week with Rusty Mansell and Kip Adams back on with us. Guys, uh, it is almost March, as hard as that is to believe. Uh, start with you, Rusty. Uh, how has the end of February treated you as we get ready and knowing that uh, what you're going to turn around and spring practice is going to be underway? Yeah, we're just talking a little bit off the air, but first of all, I'm just happy we got some sunshine. I mean, it's probably been, I guess we set the tone in LA. We're out there in LA, it's supposed to be Southern California, it's supposed to be, you know, the greatest climate on earth, and we get like three days of rain and cold. So, um, uh, it's been a rainy season here, and I'm done with it, ready for some sunshine and bring on the pollen. Let's get that out of the way and, and uh, get ready for spring practice. Uh, you know, Georgia starts spring break uh, next or Friday as we're taping this. And uh, those coaches and players will get a chance to leave for a week. And really, truthfully, as a player, that's one of the last times that uh, you're going to get a break before like that 4th of July long extended like five or six days. Uh, it is typically, it is, it is truly a year-round thing now to play big-time college football. So uh, these kids get a chance to get away, get on spring break, go from places. It's interesting to follow them on Instagram now because they got a little more money in their pocket than I They don't just exactly go to the Gulf anymore. They, uh, they're out on boats and you know, Montana and Bahamas and all those places. So, we, you know, everyone, those kids be safe, have a good time. But they definitely have a little more uh, change in their pocket to uh, do the different spring breaks than I quite uh, experienced. we got about 10 guys – piled up into a room somewhere on uh, Highway 98 in, in the Panhandle. I was going to say people were having to draw uh, straws to see who was sleeping on the floor, I would imagine. Uh, Kip, uh, how has the, the close of February treated you as we get ready before we know it, getting back into spring football? Yeah, it was still a little chilly when we got to Carrollton on Sunday uh, for the Under Armour camp, and we thought it might rain. So it was good to get in there in an indoor facility and, and, and watch a camp, uh, you know, in those conditions, uh, a wonderful facility at Carrollton, uh, and enjoy doing that because Rusty will tell you, typically the, the first camp and, and honestly, most prospect camps we go to, it's usually the worst weather conditions possible, whether it's, uh, you know, 28, 30 degrees out there, uh, wind chill, bringing it down in the teens or, uh, you know, a couple of times it's just been, uh, you know, torrential downpour. Uh, we, we had a couple that felt like it was during hurricane season, even though it was Mar- March and you know, may, sometimes early April. So uh, 
just having a you know regular room temperature and 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 no wind or weather involved was was a pleasant change of pace for us uh, covering these camps and i'm sure that the recruits appreciated that as well it's just uh, a reminder that now high schools uh have some some impressive facilities i mean the the indoor uh facility arms race has now stretched over to high schools and georgia probably rest to tell you probably they probably you know, a dozen, two dozen indoor facilities in Georgia now. It's it's incredible just to see. Uh, I know uh, going to Buford every year when, when camps are there, you always see, you know, they have like five, six football fields there. So uh, that a, a lot of colleges would, would love to have the facilities that, that Buford has. But it, it was good to get out there and, and see some recruits in the 2024, 2025, 2026. And heck, there was a 2027 quarterback that just came off of taking his team to a state championship as an eighth grader as well and you know uh he walked up and i i looked at uh one of our co-workers hank south we walked up to interview and i'm like we really gotta do this but lo and behold the, the kids pushing double digit offers already and uh you know and then i i got home i went up pulled up the film and i was like this guy threw for five touchdowns in the state championship game over auburn high school this is a, a legit quarterback right here so i was impressed with that and it's uh it's good to get kind of into into the recruiting flow now and we can start kind of taking the 2024 class a little more seriously and start getting some you know some some names to know for georgia recruiting Mighty uh, Thompson High School is where that eighth grader is from. And uh, talking about indoors, Rusty, isn't is Lowndes County in the Lowndes is opening theirs as we speak? Maybe today uh, they have a um, uh, 120 yard indoor. Uh, they just turf their baseball field. That's done. They turf their softball field. That's done. They're tearing their field house down and they're building a state of the art two level field house, weight room, and a cafeteria that can feed the 200, roughly 200 athletes at Lowndes. Um, it is, as Kip said, this arms race. You know, LaGrange has got a 60-yard indoor. Crook uh, County's got a 60-yard indoor. Gainesville has a 100-yard covered uh, indoor now or a covered practice facility. I mean, it is – I mean, it is it's great. I, I, Roman Harper from SEC Network, former Alabama player, uh, New Orleans Saints. I, I talked with him a good bit Sunday, just in between some breaks. And he looked at me and he goes, this, this is a high school. And I said, yeah, this is a high school. And he goes, this is unbelievable. He goes, how many of these are in Georgia? And I told him, you know, four or five, at least 120 yards. And and he, he just could not believe it. But he also understood why the state of Georgia keeps producing players. I think there's – 31 high school players from the state of Georgia. They'll be at the combine this weekend. That means one out of every nine of the 300 there are from the state of Georgia. And we're investing in our community, investing in our prospects and athletes, and that's what you see. Yeah, I have no doubt people listening are very excited about that and, and want to see that continue. Um, and I want to start uh, really this podcast talking about that camp you guys are at, the Under Armour Knicks football camp uh, held in Carrollton on Sunday. I'll start with you, Rusty. What were your takeaways from what you got to see? If, if anyone in particular stood out or, or just things that you took away from watching uh, from that camp? I think Kip has shared his thoughts on this as well. Uh, to me, it was the size of the 2025 offensive lineman in the state of Georgia. So you look at Nick Brooks. He at Buford now. He is six foot eight. I think three twenty nine is what he was. Uh, he was outstanding. I thought. And when he ran, he ran his forty 
the guys that were timing or watching the lasers all turned around and looked, and they basically almost high fived. I mean, you just don't see a dude move like that. Uh, you got Mason Short, who's six foot seven and a half out of the Augusta area. Um, you know, you've got even Braden Jacobs, who's the younger son of Brandon Jacobs, who's a 2025. He's about six, six and a half. And, you know, when he stands beside Nick Brooks, it, 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 he doesn't look that big, but I mean, he's six, six and a half and he's now at Buford. So, uh, and then you have the number one player in the country, David Sanders out of, out of, uh, out of Charlotte. He was their offensive tackle for 2025. He's six, 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 seven. Uh, so when you, when you stand there and you look and those guys are six foot seven, you look at what George has trotted out the last couple of years, and these guys are going to be first-round draft picks. Broderick Jones will be the next one. You know, Jamar didn't kind of fit that role. You know, he played uh, better than his size was, to be honest. And uh, But when you look at Amarius Mims and you look at those guys, I, I see if George is going to continue to stockpile their offensive tackle room, they got to get a couple of those guys because there's only so many of those types of guys per class. There's only maybe three or four per class, and – when you look at that realistically, and, and don't take away from Juan Gaston, Kip, I mentioned him too from Gaston. From, he's an AAU basketball player. In fact, I asked him, how's basketball going? He goes, we got beat last night by the number one team in the state, McEachern, and um, the night before. So that's another 6-7 offensive tackle. So I think the thing that I take away from it is the 2025 class not only has those D linemen in the in South Georgia with Elias Williams, who's six foot seven at Charlton. You have Elijah Griffin, who's the number one, number two, number three player in the country, defensive lineman out of Savannah. But when you look in particular at this 2025 class in the state of Georgia as a whole, that's as deep as I've seen in a while at the O line and D line position. And if Georgia is going to continue this kind of you know, people say that term aliens and they look different. Uh, those kids look different and we'll see how many they can end up with because it is a special, special group so far. Kip, your thoughts on what you got to say. Well, uh, you know, Rusty nailed it with, with the size there. Just the fact that a guy like Mason Short can walk by and, and he may have been the, you know, the third biggest offensive lineman in his class at that event. And uh, he's just one of those guys where it's easy to spot just because of his physical makeup. That group was definitely very impressive. But what I kind of took from from talking to a lot of the recruits is that Georgia's going to continue to recruit the state of Alabama heavily. And a lot of the guys there that kind of caught my eye, whether it's Ryan Williams, uh, who was probably the most impressive prospect I saw there, the Alabama commit from Saryland High School, uh, outstanding wide receiver or uh, Jared Smith, the edge from Spain Park, uh, also very impressive. And then, uh, you know, just guys like Bradley Shaw, uh, the linebacker from Hoover, Jordan Ross, the edge from Vestavia Hills. Uh, a lot of these guys mentioned Georgia prominently. And then also just Cameron Coleman, a uh, wide receiver from Central, uh, a guy that, you know, played with a, a guy that just signed with Georgia and A.J. Harris. And I think that that's a recruitment to, to watch for Georgia as well, just because, uh, you know, he mentioned Brian McClendon prominently and, and kind of a unique situation there because you had three, you know, you had three Georgia coaches at the event uh, is, you know, uh, worked out pretty well for Georgia to, for, to have three coaches, you know, who had have kids who are at that age and, and able to compete in an event like that because it allows those court, Georgia coaches to be there. So you have Adele McGee there. You have, a, you know, Brian McClendon there. You got Muschamp there as well. They're able to, you know, at least in the background, watch this event, watch their sons compete because they're legitimate prospects who have offers and, uh, you know, 
get a, an extra eval right there uh, for for Georgia heading into this spring. So a guy like Cameron Coleman may have moved up uh, Brian McClendon's board because he was outstanding at the event. A guy that's pushing six three, maybe one hundred seventy, one hundred seventy five pounds. Uh, I thought he was a you know a smooth playmaker out there, and so and that's a guy that you know, probably gets a Georgia visit set up this spring just because of, of how impressive he was at that event. So I know that, again, uh, getting guys out of the state of Alabama, not easy at all. Uh, and you have a you know a new coaching staff at Auburn, and obviously Alabama is going to be able to get most of the guys they want in state. Uh, but I, I think there was enough of a, a presence from the state of Alabama at this camp that a lot of these guys are going to emerge as major targets over the next two cycles. And you know, they're going to get a couple of those guys. They have, a, you know, they have guys committed right now already, like Demarcus Riddick, an outstanding prospect. He, you know, he was not there, but just saying their presence in the state of Alabama is not going to end anytime soon. I want to make sure before we go to a break to also talk about some staff news for Georgia and, and some positive news. Uh, ESPN's Chris Lowe reported on Monday uh, that Glenn Schumann is staying put. There's a lot of smoke around him potentially going to the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, you know, the team that wound up being the runner-up in the Super Bowl, which would have been a big opportunity. Uh, Rusty, how big is this for Kirby Smart in Georgia, for Glenn to stay put, uh, for him to be back for another season in Athens? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I don't know 100%, but at some point Nick Saban had to reach out and, and engage his interest in that Alabama job. Now, I don't know if he ever, whatever, how far he ever went, but I guarantee at some point. I mean, the guy's an Alabama grad. His wife's an Alabama grad. His in-laws are Alabama grads. He's got some Alabama ties. So you kind of dodge that one regardless. You're probably thinking you're pretty good. You're about two weeks away from really ramping up for spring practice, and all of a sudden the Eagles get involved with Lynn Schumann, and it gets pretty serious. and. Um, you know, I came on the board the first night that kind of got out and said, look, I don't think there's too much to that. And um, I'm pretty confident I was right. But I'll be honest with you, um, Saturday morning, I was contemplating writing a, a note on the board like, look, this is something to watch over the weekend. Uh, this, this might be a little more serious than I thought. And I didn't quite at that time have enough to really get the board <laughs> to where we had to answer those questions. I didn't, I wouldn't hundred percent confident in it, but afterwards that, that Chris Lowe broke that, it kind of made some more contacts and it did, it got pretty, it got pretty serious this weekend. And I'm not saying that Glenn Schumann 100% got offered the job. He was the guy, but it got really, really serious. And it was going to be crunch time yesterday for a decision for him. And I think he probably thought about it and, you know, per Chris Lowe pulled himself out of that consideration. So uh, from what I understand, it was maybe three or four interviews involved with this thing. So it was legit on both sides. And uh, at the end of the day, I guess he felt this is where he needs to be. And, you know, I made a comment on the board. You know, Glenn Schumann's going to be a guy that's going to get continue to get looks uh, in jobs. I mean, he can be extremely picky, though, uh, at what he wants to do. And Kirby Smart was very, very picky at Alabama, what he did. All those years, uh, turned down Georgia at least twice, to, to my knowledge, uh, two different times. I'm telling, you know, other things he probably had. Uh, you know, I know he, I guess Auburn, his name was mentioned at Auburn one time, those type of things. So there's, you know, with Glenn Schumann's trajectory and what he's doing, not only on the field, but Kip knows this as well, what he's doing recruiting-wise. Because I'm telling you now, they've got pop and they got smile and they got all these guys up there that are doing really good, but – the guys are coming in behind them. They're, they're, they're creating some buzz, man, in these offseason workouts and CJ Allen and Raylan Wilson and those guys. So 
Uh, I just think he probably thought, look, this is the right place, right time for me. He's got a really young family that do lo- do love Athens and that area. Um, has some very close family that now live in Georgia. So there's some of those things. But Lynn Schumann's going to be a guy, and I say this quite often: if you're hiring the right people, this is going to be part of it. And uh, this would be that would be his third. You know, Mel Tucker, Dan Lanning. Uh, if Glenn Schumann were to leave, technically it would be somebody else, most likely in my opinion, probably Will Muschamp. But, uh, you know, if you're hiring the right people, then 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 these kind of things happen. Yeah, it's definitely a good problem to have as far as people getting bigger opportunities because of the success they're having with you at Georgia. Kip, how big of a win do you feel like this is for Georgia that Glenn is staying put, especially considering we're really not that far from spring practice getting underway? Yeah, I mean, definitely. This you got to remember. Also, I mean, this was Kirby Smart's first hire. A, you know, twenty-six-year-old people are like, "Who? Who? Who did he hire?" And now it's like, well, if you look at the staff, especially you know with Todd Monken gone, and and you talk about guys that you know, no one really wants Georgia to have to replace. And now Glenn Schumann's the guy at the top, and and just heading into spring. You know, a guy that has been in the system knows exactly, you know, what Kirby Smart wants as far as his defense, as far as his position room. I mean, I don't think you could say anyone, you know, on staff has has really had a run like Glenn Schumann's had, you know, producing multiple Buckus Award winners, multiple first round picks. Uh, He's the most accomplished coach on this uh, assistant on the staff really as far as just what he's done under Kirby Smart so uh, you know he may be the most valuable guy uh, on board right now you want that continuity going into the spring and, and you you have a couple of returning starters at his position room as well and, you know in Pop Johnson and Small Munden uh, I think right now uh, the future is as bright as it's ever been at inside linebacker for Georgia and you know, at least for a, another year, you get to have Glenn, Glenn Schumann on board, uh, you know, developing and, and, and recruiting that position. So I think right now uh, it, it's a great time uh, for, for Georgia. And I think just the production of that position, you go into this fall, that's going to be a huge part of Georgia's defense and, and maybe the strongest position room on the team. Is Glenn Schumann, is Glenn, is it Glenn, correct me if I'm wrong, Glenn Schumann and Dale McGee, are those two the – they're the only two on-field assistants that have been there for the entirety of Kirby's time as head coach. Gotcha. So definitely huge. And mentioning those younger guys, think about the fact that Kirby was talking about C.J. Allen after the national championship game. So, I mean, just to have a guy I still that can't get time, over that. I, I, I know. I'll, all the stuff I've been through in my life in this business, that is one story I'll never forget. 20 seconds. His coach told me last year they had a track meet at their school at Lamar County. The track meet was over at 6.30. He went inside his office, filled out some paperwork, got some, made some phone calls. He comes back out around 7.45, and C.J. Allen is outside of the track picking up cups and cleaning up the bleachers by himself. Now, you tell me you're not cut from a different cloth with somebody like that who's a five-star prospect? So that, that tells you a lot about that, that guy. No doubt about it, and he's going to be someone to keep an eye on, I am sure, when we get into spring ball. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're talking about the NFL Combine, where drills are going to get underway later this week. But talk about what we're looking for and what we are expecting to see from some of the dogs in attendance. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, everybody. Well, yeah, the NFL Combine is going to get underway. I believe interviews and some of the physicals have already started as we talk on Tuesday. But Thursday will be the first day of drills on field uh, workouts for the players, and that'll go into the weekend. And I'll start with you, Kip. Uh, we've got 12 Georgia players who are going to be there. I'm going to run through the names. Stetson Bennett, Kenny McIntosh, Karis Jackson, Darnell Washington, Broderick Jones, Warren McClendon, Jalen Carter, Robert Bill, Nolan Smith, Keeley, Ringo, Chris Smith, and Jack Podlesny. Of that entire group, uh, what intrigues you the most? You know, Who are you really paying attention to, or who is someone whose work you really want to watch as they go through the drills in Indy? And Rusty already set the world on fire yesterday talking about Darnell Washington, you know, sub 4740. He's expected to run at 6'7, you know, maybe 280 pounds. That is, uh, I mean, that's freak status right there. I think Georgia's going into, you know, maybe year three or four of just kind of blowing up this week. And, you know, these are the kind of recruits that that Kirby Smart brings in, but it's also just a credit to Scott Sinclair and the strength and conditioning program that a lot of these guys come in and, you know, improve upon their explosiveness at Georgia. So, you know, I'm looking to see what Keely Ringo runs in the 40, obviously. I want to see what Nolan, you know, Nolan Smith measures because I think his measurements are obviously his wingspan is going to be huge for him. You know, he continues to be in that top 30, 40 and a lot of mocks. If, 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 you know, if that's where he, ends up it's going to be because he you know he actually did fairly well in the measurements you know maybe better than a lot of people expect because that's kind of the the one thing with him he could set the edge as well as you know any edge guy in this class but you know that that wingspan is something we're wanting to see and and see how how he measures um but but honestly i i think you know just i want to see darnell washington what he does because he's kind of that unicorn guy you know, uh, you look at Brock Bowers next year as a p- potential top 10 pick, but there aren't guys in the NFL who are able to, you know, to move the way Darnell Washington does and able to kind of give NFL GMs a cheat code, an extra offensive tackle, but also a guy that, you know, is, is, is explosive for his size and catch passes in the red zone. So I uh, want to see what he does. I expect a lot of uh, Georgia players to, you know, increase their stock and, uh, you know, uh, Let's see. Let's see who you know how if Ringo can run a uh, sub four four forty. I think that'll probably go pretty well for him. This is this should be his event. This should be where he, where he tests out and where people are talking you know very highly about him coming off you know kind of an up and down season where he went from the consensus number one cornerback to people saying maybe he's a safety in the league. If he comes out there runs a you know four three three. I think, you know, the pendulum might swing a little bit back in his, his favor and he might start get talking about as, you know, a, a first round pick and when all is said and done. 
Rusty, what about you? What are you looking for, and, and who are some of the guys that you think could really show out from Georgia? I learned a valuable lesson yesterday. Don't tell the Ravens fans they might draft a tight end because they came unglued on me on Twitter. And, look, I walked into that, had no idea. I just said, listen, Todd, the Ravens are at 22 with Darnell Washington, maybe. I, I don't know. Todd Monk and Barry – uh, familiar with him, but my goodness, that touched a nerve. And I guess all the Baltimore area media retweeted that. And man, I, I had to turn the mentions off on that thing because uh, <laughs> the Ravens fans came unglued at the thought of drafting another tight end. So that's a lesson learned for all of us there. I'll stay out of that lane. Um, yeah, Broderick Jones is a guy, you know, I think, um, you know, you, you want to see um, how athletic he is. I think. I think, you know, the the it, it, he didn't get a ton of mentions as a first rounder until basically the season got over and the tape started coming out and people were like, wait a minute, this dude's different now in the Ohio State tape where he played really, really good in that game. And, um, you know, he's got this AAU basketball background and I, I think he is going to be extremely athletic. I would not be surprised if he didn't go in the top maybe 12. 14 picks. Um, you know, most people you, you talk about, I think Kit retweeted or yesterday and maybe talked about it with the Bengals at 28 for Darnell. And uh, I, I just think that if Darnell can do what I've heard he has been doing so far in testing and he gets in that, that low four, six flat at he's consistently around 272. So you're talking six, seven and a half. And my, my, I, I almost had a reply, but I just said, Don, I'm tapped out on the Ravens. I'm, I'm not trying to get in that battle. Uh, but my my response would have been: There's only one human being like that that is playing college football, and it, you know, there's only been one like him in a long, long time. And uh, so you look at him and you say, "Why would you draft him?" And this guy can block. You can attach this guy. He's, off, he's almost an offensive tackle, really. And truthfully, I thought the guy was going to grow into tackle. I, I'm dead dead wrong. I thought at some point, and I'll tell you this: If Darnell Washington stayed another year at Georgia and he weighed three ten. I guarantee you he'd be a first-round draft pick because he's just that athletic and he's that big. And uh, kudos to him. Stayed in his stayed in his comfort zone, stayed in his position. Uh, he stayed at Georgia. No, it's no secret that probably twice, two years in a row, he was almost gone. And through the portal and stayed, it looks like it's going to pay off for him with development. But, but the thing, the value of him is uh, to be able to attach you to the end and to be able to put a big man. I, I don't even know how you – Line up on a seven and a half guy in the slot. I mean, you try to cover him with a safety. I don't know what you do there. So uh, he's going to command some attention. So I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be a guy that I'm very interested in. I, as Kip mentioned, I would be very surprised if Keely Ringo doesn't go sub four four because he was a what ten three hundred guy in high school. Uh, you're learning how to run. He's been in a weight program for three and a half years. He's doing nothing but training. Uh, with his guy up in Seattle, went he went back home to work with Tracy Ford, a uh, guy that coached him in high school. So those types of deals, and there is a science to it. I can tell you, I'm going through it with Nick Chubb, and uh, Nick counted steps to know how many he had to have. He was one step over, and he ran four five one. I knew he was one step over. So it ain't just lining up and getting it. There is a true science to running a forty yard dash, and all these guys have been training now for about four or five weeks. And uh, man, I love the combine. I mean, I it. It, it is. I mean, I don't turn it off, man. I mean, it is. My wife, it's the worst weekend of the year for her. Not even close. I mean, she's like, my God, is this thing over? This is awful. 
And not only will I watch that, I'll come back in and watch. I'll watch the replay, you know, as it goes off on NFL Network. You get you got to regroup, and then you got to watch a little bit more. So uh, this is uh, this is I'm digging in, man. It's supposed to be cold this weekend. It, it, I'm good. You're set, and it sounds like you got a lot of people loving some Isaiah Likely. I guess with the Ravens, they're like, "Hey, we're good at tight end. We got two of them." Well, they do, and but 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 you know, Todd Munkin. I don't know if they know enough about him, but you know, this message board and this fan base does, and <laughs> this guy can do multiple stuff with multiple tight ends. So uh, I don't you know, look. I didn't say they were going to pick him, but my God, I learned a lesson yesterday. I mean, you would have thought I told the. Steelers fans, the Cowboys, the greatest organization ever because that Raven fan base, they they unloaded on me yesterday. <laughs> Two of the guys that I'm really interested in seeing that we really haven't talked about because I think Keeley's a guy you definitely want to watch. You want to see the measurements with Nolan. Stetson Bennett and also Kenny McIntosh. Stetson is going to be walking into a situation that he's not new to. He's not going to be the most talked about quarterback. You know, I saw some of the reports to the last few days of, okay, this guy's going to throw, this guy's not going to throw. And I was sort of sitting there saying, well, nobody's mentioned anything about Stetson. And that's just sort of shows you where right now he is in the tier as far as these quarterbacks going into the draft. I want to see what he's able to do, if he's able to uh, put together some good performances and, and, uh, and uh, show out and, and maybe catch some people's eyes because that's going to be big as well as uh, Georgia's Pro Day that I believe is going to be on March 15th. Uh, and then the other guy's Kenny McIntosh. I think that, you know, running back is such a devalued position at this point in the NFL, but I think he's a guy that someone's going to fall in love with. And I think he's got a chance, you know, if he goes out there, if he runs a really good 40, uh, if he puts on a performance that catches people's eyes, the fact he can catch the ball the way he can out of the backfield. I think that a lot of us, you know, Georgia fans and, and us included have kind of taken for granted just how valuable he's been as a pass catcher and the fact that Georgia had him and James Cook at the same time. Uh, I'm really intrigued to see what Kenny's able to do and if it winds up catching some NFL personnel's attention. I think I think Kenny McIntosh is going to be a star. Kit may talk, but I think Kenny McIntosh is built for the NFL. My goodness, he is going to – all I could think about the other day is if you had that guy with Tom Brady when he was in his – prime what he could do with that passing game and just how valuable he is i'm telling you kenny mack's best playing days are ahead of him for nfl Kip in yeah, he's, on kenny. He, he's just got great balance and he's used to running uh in congested areas and you know whether it's the open field uh you know whether it's in traffic you hand him the ball he knows how to, you know, make players miss in in, in the open space and one on one situations. Uh, you know, he has that burst of speed to the outside, and it's not just as a pass catcher. You saw that rep that, that just got put out this week from the from Senior Bowl practice. He had the best pass protection rep of the whole week. You know, and that and against uh, I believe a guy that he he just got done he playing against. I think it was a TCU linebacker uh, that was in the rep that that he went up against a guy that's going to go get drafted probably in the you know the third or fourth round as well. And, and you know, did a great job and and pass pro there. And you know that that's what gets you on the field. You know, other than special teams, I, I think just the ability to step right in and, and know exactly what to do in a pro style offense is is huge. And so. You know, I, I think Kenny McIntosh is kind of in that mix and, you know, just outside probably the top five running backs, but probably inside the top ten with guys like Tank Bensby, with, you know, uh, Kendra Miller from TCU as well, uh, you know, probably Sean Tucker from Syracuse. Guys, you know, just inside the top hundred, guys that are trying to go from third to fourth round to to maybe early third round. And, and you know, that, that gets you – 
you know, all it takes is one team late in the second round, you know, as, as well for a guy like him. So it's kind of a big deal for, for him to come out there and then show that he's got some explosiveness. He's fluid, in, you know, in his hips. And, he, you know, I think when they start getting to the drill portion of the combine, I think McIntosh is going to shine. He's going to, you know, he's he's going to completely destroy that that part uh, of the combine because he, he he's used to it. He looked fluid every single time. He, you know, he touched the ball at Georgia, uh, out of the backfield, where, wherever they lined him up. They used him in so many ways to where I, I think this is going to be a great situation for him. Definitely interested to see, you know, if he does all the testing, you know, that that's probably going to be big for him because he's not a burner. You know, he's not going to go out there and, and run what Jameer Gibbs runs. So it, it's going to be important for him to just put up a solid time and, and move on to the other part uh, of the combine. And so, yeah, I think he, he's a guy that has second round potential. Uh, and right now, probably in that late third round, early fourth round contention. I saw where someone in the comments mentioned that, hey, maybe Baltimore will draft a couple different uh, Georgia players and they'd be, you know, they would be in a good position if they got Kenny McIntosh. Because if you look at the way they played this past season, running back was kind of a weakness. They ran into issues at that position. I think you could be a whole lot worse off than uh, going and getting Kenny McIntosh to join that stable. Yeah, and value out of there, as Kip said, if you could pick up Kenny McIntosh at the end of the third round, I mean, you start looking at the, the trajectory of running backs in the NFL. Um, you know, you look at B. John Robinson and maybe Jameer Gibbs. But, you know, 10 years ago, there'd be four or five guys going the first round running backs. And now maybe one goes, maybe the value, they're just dime a dozen. I hate to say it, it's such a passing league. Football is such a seven on seven game. College football is such a seven on seven game now. So, you get a guy like Kenny McIntosh in 2002, Kenny McIntosh doesn't give you the value of a 2023 uh, Kenny McIntosh. Kind of like It's kind of like inside linebackers. Back in the day, you wanted a thumper. You wanted somebody that could hit you and play inside the box. Now you give me a thumper and you're in trouble. You got to be able to play in space. Uh, you got to be able to cover these backs. So uh, you look at the Falcons with their running back. You look at the Chiefs. They just had a, they just, their best player almost end of the year was a seventh round running back. So, uh, Kenny McIntosh is going to be a lot, a lot of value in whoever gets him. If they were to get him in the late third, uh, I'm, I'm 100% with Kip. I think it's a great value. And uh, a couple of people asked me to comment about Stetson Bennett. Uh, I've learned a couple of things with Stetson Bennett, and that's not to bet against him for sure. Now, let's just get into reality here. He's going to face some very, very uh, deep, deep um, uh, meetings with teams, and they're going to dig into him. Now, here's the here's the negative on Stetson Bennett. He's not going to be very tall, and he's never been tall. He's also 25 years old, so that hurts him a very that 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 not playing around. That is that is a that's a pretty negative thing when you start talking about how many more years we're going to invest in this guy. What can we do now? The positive is he's take a he took a very very detailed offense under Todd Munkin, and he ran it to a T and uh, the guy could check plays. The guy could hurt you with his legs. I think he's got a better arm than people give him credit. Uh, don't give him credit enough for his arm. Uh, if he goes in and has a really good, accurate day, and he's going to face some questions that that those questions about that the parade, the questions about getting arrested at six o'clock in the morning when you're supposed to be training, that's real. And they looking for a reason not to draft you. But on the positive side. I said it a hundred times. Stetson Bennett played better the bigger the game is. So somebody is going to pick him. There's no question in my mind. I don't know where he's going to go. 
his athleticism. I think he's on. I think he's gonna. Have, I think he'll have good times. I mean, he ran, he ran off on Auburn this year. You know, he ran their DBs. And, you know, those are SEC D one guys. So we'll see uh, how his weekend goes. But for me, it's not the on the field this weekend. For me, the most important thing for him is to sit in front of thirty two NFL teams. And I'm telling you, they're going to dig now. They're going to dig deep into Stetson Bennett because he's got a lot of questions, uh, especially from the last month and a half. He'll have to answer for those teams. No doubt, and we're going to be covering and watching uh, what goes on and sharing all of it on Dogs 247. Uh, do the uh, Georgia Men's Basketball Minute real quick. Uh, things have not been going well. Uh, they are riding a three-game losing streak. They are still 16-13 and 13 overall, which I think is still an accomplishment in Mike White's first season. But uh, lost to Missouri at home 85-63 on Saturday, a game they were leading 41-40 to 40 at halftime, and uh, Missouri came out of halftime and put it on, and, and Georgia just kind of laid down, which uh, Mike White talked about that after the game and really shared his disappointment, and, and some of the players we talked to did as well. Uh, the situation now as we record this is Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday night they host Florida, and then they end the regular season at South Carolina on Saturday. Basically the goal at this point should be to try to win these two games and get out of playing the first day of the SEC tournament in Nashville next week. Um, I think that's what you got to try to do. Um, if they're able to win today, that would tie the program record for home wins in a season, which I think is nothing to sneeze at considering this is a team that only won six games last season. So I've uh, been a rough break, uh, a rough stretch of games with three straight losses, but uh, you got two very winnable games with a Florida team that play without their big man, Colin Castleton, who broke his hand. And then a South Carolina team that has shown flashes, but has struggled. So, uh, it's going to be something to watch and uh, looking forward to seeing how these games play out before we get into the tournament. Are you expecting a heavy uh, roster turnover again with Porto or what? Yeah, I think we are going to see a couple guys leave and they've got some guys that we already know are going to be gone as far as exhausted eligibility. It's pretty clear at this point they have got to go into the portal. Uh, probably going to have to get some help in the backcourt. Absolutely. If they only get one guy, which they really have to get more than that, if they only get one guy, they got to get a, a five. They got to get like a six, 11, seven foot yep. big man because that, that was their weakness this year. They just couldn't go up against guys like Oscar mm-hmm. Sheboy and some of the other big men that they had to contend with. But yeah, I think there's going to be significant turnover, and it means that Mike White and the staff, they really have no choice but to go into the portal uh, this offseason. Well, on that note, we are going to wrap up this episode. Appreciate everybody who tuned in live and everyone who has listened to it after the fact. Want to make sure and tell everybody, if you don't already, go subscribe to Dogs247, especially coming out of that camp. A lot of VIP stories, uh, updates on some of the guys who participated and anticipate that that we'll have plenty of VIP stuff going forward. Uh, Understanding that we're only a few weeks away from spring practice, and that means it's going to be nose to the grindstone and, and going all out once again. So, We'll wrap it up there. Thanks to Rusty and Kip for popping on. Thanks, everybody, for watching and listening. Until next time, take care. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.